great debates, and I'd like to get right into it. I do not want to waste any time. I don't want to hear anybody say anything. I don't want to. Okay, be so no wasting time until I announce just the topic. Oh, right now, vamping for time as I set a four-minute timer. Steve Healy taking the pro. The topic is throwing up is a big event. I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the pro throwing up. Or I'm, we're gonna we're gonna take off. We're gonna take babies off the table here, Dave. You agree? That's fine. Stipulated. Up, I agree. I yeah. agree. <laughs> Spitting yeah. up is fine from them, but for an adult, <laughs> it is traumatic. A sign of something deeply wrong. It's your body rebelling against you in a big way. And that is definitely a big event. It's something you need to clock, you need to deal with, you need to react to, and you need to treat with a certain amount of gravity. So if you're throwing up, it's because you're very, very sick. You have food poisoning or something. That's almost like best case because otherwise you have something seriously wrong with you or you drank too much and your body is it's very very rare that the body rises up in rebellion against the actions of itself it's almost uh, psychologically shattering to think that could even happen but that's when what happens when you throw up from drinking too much you've abused your body so much that your body is saying i cannot take it and that is a huge event it almost causes a psychic split and so I think we need to treat throwing up as serious, as trauma, as something to deal with. It's a big event. Okay, I'm Dave King. I'm taking the con. Healy, I'll give it up, man. Great, beautiful opening <laughs> argument. I love the lofty terms you're going fair going for here. <laughs> um, I don't think it's psychologically shattering to <laughs> throw up. I think most people have done it before, and they know when it's coming, and they know what to expect when it happens. Is it unpleasant? Yes. Is it gross? Yes. But what is actually happening when you're throwing up? First of all, you're usually almost always alone. You want to get into a bathroom. You want to get into a quiet place. You want the opposite of big event and fanfare. You want, like, the lights off. You want no one else to know about it. You want as little publicity as possible. It's the opposite of, like parade, which is what I would consider a sort of like textbook big event. It's a small, sad, like, you know, and not that unusual experience. Like most people have, you know, throw up on occasion. There's also, by the way, much milder ways to get to the point where you're throwing up. I would throw out just like an ordinary stomach bug can cause you to throw up. And even if you don't know exactly what's going on, most people like the if you throw up like you're not, or even if you know you're going to throw up, you're not going to call the hospital. You're not calling 911. That's a big event. That's a pretty good, like, benchmark for what's a big event. And if you're throwing up, it's not that big a deal. In fact, a lot of times after you throw up, it feels pretty good. You're kind of like, ah, that's over with. This has subsided. On to the next thing. Let's pretend like this never happened. Not a big event. Okay, Dave, you <laughs> actually, I'm going to return the compliment because I love the framing that it has to be going to the hospital to be a big event. That is interesting. We're going to get back to that. But first of all, you, you, well, you don't want to talk of, about that now. You did kind of make <laughs> we don't me have that much time. <laughs> you did make me think that you almost made me think this is more of a big event by pointing out. I didn't even think about the scenario where you're throwing up in front of other people, which is definitely a big event. If I throw up in front of other people, they're going to remind me about it, <laughs> mock me about it, talk about it. It's going to be a big event for them. 
let alone for me. That's huge. To see another adult just throw up is shocking well, and crazy and definitely okay. a big event. So, yes, ideally to hide the big event nature of it, you're in a locked, sealed bathroom by yourself where you can lie to yourself a little bit that it's not that big of a deal. And yeah, you're right, Dave. Sometimes you do feel better afterwards because it's changed your whole chemistry. You've expelled something you took in. It's just created a new situation. Well, oh. that's the clock. We barely got anywhere. No, we got to keep going. Wait. I'm sorry. But I'm okay, okay to keep going. Second. I'm okay, okay to keep right. going. Yeah. You've Healy, changed your else? whole body chemistry. You've rejected calories. If, you, if, if it's done through bulimia, that's a huge, very serious event. Now, Dave, the, the level well, of going to the hospital. It's a serious condition. But if you're bulimic, I mean, if you really want to drill down on that, it's actually not that big an event. It's something you do every day. Oh, it's a it series of big events. Big. I mean, it, I no, mean, it's not. It's each, like each one is minimized by the quantity. Yes. But e each act of bulimia is a big event and, and should be. Well, it should be treated seriously yes. again as a condition. Yes. But if you're doing yes. it every day, you've reduced it to the point. You've reduced the sort of eventness of it to the point where no one else knows about it, where it fits into your daily life where you're, I don't want to talk about this is like, I think this is a branch of throwing up that we don't need to go too deep in. You mentioned that okay. like public, that throwing up publicly is a big event. And yes. look, it's possible that the like half percent of vomiting occasions might happen in a group setting, but I don't think it's that common at all. Also, like sometimes you throw up in front of someone like your loved one and you sort of are in like a hold my hair situation. People throw up in front of each other actually pretty commonly when they're drunk or if they're sick. And it's just sort of like, can you just like sit okay. with me or just like, you know, and 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 everyone like understands. I've seen other people throw up and it doesn't make you go like, holy shit. Like, if you just I can't suddenly, believe what I've never seen just, this before. If you suddenly threw up right now, it would be one of the biggest events in Great Debates history. We would we would be immediately stop recording, pause. We would be check in on you. And those are some of the signs of a big event. When you have to stop whatever else is going on, deal with the emergency that just happened, address it. It's something that needs to be addressed. These are some of the checklist of big event. And I think if that happened during a, a debate, we would have to deal with that. I guess that <laughs> just because, like, if it happened right now, we'd have to deal with it. I don't think that makes <laughs> it a big event. I mean, there's a number of things that could happen right now that we'd have to deal with. Like, if my computer malfunctioned, we'd have to deal with it. But I would never call that a, a big event. Like, that if would, I lost Wi-Fi, yeah. it would be a, it would be like it would suck for just for the new, not for the listeners because who cares, but like for the sake of like, oh, here's, how I know it would be a big event. here's how I know it would be a big event. Cause you uh -huh. would throw up, if you threw up and then you're like, it's fine. Let's just keep going. Me and Dan would immediately be like, well, hang on. Uh, let's talk. Are you sure? And there, there's, there's no way we would get back to normal within a couple minutes. There'd have to, it would have to be addressed. Another sign of the, a couple minutes. Yeah, event. I mean, that's exactly right. Like, within a couple minutes, everyone's back to normal. That That's not what a big An event is. An addressable, rare, scary, uh, danger, potentially dangerous occurrence that represents the body attacking itself and is a sign of serious unwellness. It, that's a big event. I close my case. Okay, I think we're done. Wow. I don't have any. I'm, I'm, I think 
you know. We're done. Where, I, what do you think we learned after the clock went off? Like, where do you think we got to? <laughs> you, from... you know, in hindsight, Medina, in hindsight, you might have been right to, okay. to, to pull the clock when, when you did. <laughs> I mean, I like that it made, to me, here's <laughs> where we got to was like a feeling for a minute, uh, fleeting as though it may have been, that, wow, this is actually kind of a more interesting topic than it, it, it <laughs> seemed on face value, but then it did sort of peter out. I, I think the arc of the first four minutes for me were was exciting and fun, and I'll just take you through how I felt about it. Is this, your Medina, just a little reminder here. Your job yeah. is to pick a winner and not criticize the debaters. But I no, mean, it's I to agree, talk about I the totally arc of the, with you. I totally agree with you. It's but, to identify you know, arcs and storylines from the debate. I have, you know, I have to tell you okay, how I take got us there. there, okay? Yeah, okay, 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 fair enough, fair enough. I think everyone out there is with me thinking like, all right, Steve opens up strong. How could he lose? Then a feeling from Dave like, wait a minute, of course it's not a big event. He's winning. He's crushing this debate. He's going to walk away with it. And then in the last 20 seconds of regular time, maybe a feeling (laughs) from Steve like he used Dave's argument against him. So at four minutes even, I'm with Steve because I'm thinking, (laughs) Uh and here's why, I'm thinking if it's what got me is if it's a uh, something that you have to hide, it's definitely a big event. Otherwise, like in mm. the moment it's in public, whoa, it's everyone's going to remember that. Maybe you're not going to remember it, but everyone that saw it will remember it. So that's where I was at four minutes. And then I don't know that it really changed for me after that. That's fair. I think that's fair. I certainly didn't win it back in overtime. Um, but a lesson yeah. we may be learning is like t- when you... W- don't extend the debate if you're ahead. And it's hard mm. to know that you're ahead, but... It's hard to know you're ahead, for sure. And, and Maybe but, just don't extend the debate ever. Like, we I don't think, need to hear more of this. Yeah, I could have come in oh, with a stronger hand there. I, I will say that uh, what contributed to... You almost won, Dave, and, and you did it by managing the clock. Like, you, you held on to your side of it for a good minute and a half. Mm. Um which is difficult it's a part to do of my in game the I've been working on seat <laughs> yeah. of a micro, was. right? Yeah, I've been hitting the the um I, I just go back to the tapes and I look at places where I could have extended right. the argument and like kept a little more ball ball control on my Well, side. is it worth mentioning that in sort of street debate in the real world, there's almost never going to be a buzzer. I mean, sometimes there's going to be like there, your res- your reservations ready or the car rides over something there's a, there's an well, I the mean, debate street there, debate is a different <laughs> game entirely. Is it? There's I don't a know. <laughs> Oh my god, Are you kidding? You go we to Washington Square Park and you're going to get crushed. <laughs> Let's not forget. We used to debate before there was a podcast. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but the game. But since we've started podcasting, the street game. Those guys are. They've taken it to another level. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we'll give it to Healy. That's fair. I'll take uh, it. With last gratitude. time you guys threw up, anyone, gents, anybody want to offer that up? Um, I can't remember. It's been a I don't long remember. time. For it's me. been a while. It was probably yeah, if I threw up again, it would be a big event. I think. It's yeah. a big, it would be a big event. Here's here's what I thought you were going to say, Healy, was something like, or maybe this isn't part of an argument, but more just my first thoughts about 
is it a big event or not? Is like, if I throw up, you're going to hear about it. Like, if I saw you the oh, next day, okay, I would yeah. be like, I got, you know what? I th- fucking threw up last night. It was crazy. Like, mm, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. Now that I say it out loud, I'm like, why would I tell people that? Well, but actually, mm. to, to support that, it is kind of like it's an intensifier you would use. Like, if you're like, how sick were you? Oh, man, I was mm. up all night throwing up. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. Okay. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that suggests bigness. That suggests wow. eventness and size. Yeah. Listeners, let us know what you think. When's the nope. last time you threw up? No, I don't want to know seen? that. No, <laughs> don't, don't. Do you think it's big? Just say big or not big. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Every time this happens, we get the email. Like, you know, I have the Great Debates email on my phone, but I don't really reply, which I know is I'm I'm sorry. But like, we'll, like on a just like Thursday afternoon, emails start coming in that just say like, seen it, <laughs> didn't know, and I'm like, what is this? I knew, hadn't seen it, had hadn't seen it, thought I knew. I'm like, what are we this in reference to? That's what are you great. We're getting engagement. Yeah, that's good. I guess. Yeah. No, shout out to the listeners. They're great. Thank Love you, them. guys. Give it to Dave on Thursday. Pop it. Light up his phone. Yeah, big <laughs> anecdotes. Okay, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, where do we have we're another going top? I hope into another top now, right? That's oh, kind of where we yeah, want okay, to go. Okay, good. Yeah, take us time. there. Yeah, Moderate, I've got a, you know, <laughs> I've got a possible provable here, and I think Ooh, what a what a pot. Okay, so here's what a possible provable is. It's a it's distinct from a a full provable. We remember the debate that we we're just talking about. Matthew McConaughey is in. U571, easily provable. We look it up, whatever. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A possible provable, we think that the data exists, but we don't we can't we don't have it at hand to verify. So this is a possible possible provable. Say that 10 times fast. Steve Healy taking the pro. More people own swimming pools than Bitcoin. Oh, okay. I'm Steve Healy taking the pro. Interesting topic. Lot to ponder here. I'd ask you to consider if you've ever flown over Southern California, Texas, uh, the civilized parts of Texas, not like the far west, Florida. What do you see looking out the plane window? Pool after pool after pool. They're countless. They're innumerable. Then you got to throw in the, uh, <coughs> the inflatables, the above grounds. Those are many, many, many. Then you got to throw. Can we in get the... a ruling on above ground? Okay, I'll take. I'll t- I think above ground. I mean, above ground. Yes, inflatable. inflatable. <laughs> Come on, man. I'll okay. give you above ground. Inflatable is crazy. Then I think we've got to add the possibly hundred thousand hotel pools and YMCA pools, school pools, and uh. You know, just general swimming pools that are out there School that aren't even pools are out. That's a public. No, okay, fine. <laughs> that's public. Property. Okay, fine. So p- privately owned swimming pools. I think there there are many. There are many. You can ima- you can imagine mm. looking out of an airplane and seeing strong argument. An almost countless number. Bitcoin is a fringe thing. It's exciting and interesting, and it's been in the news a lot because of its weirdness, because of the um, extreme. Uh, proselytizers who like to make it their whole lifestyle and like to engage and it overlaps with people who are uh, big on the internet. So it's see- it, can- it can seem from certain standpoints 
let that Bitcoin is a big deal. But ask like your grandmother if she knows anybody who has Bitcoin. She doesn't. She knows somebody who has a pool. Ask your uh, normie friend in Ohio how many people they know who own Bitcoin. Yeah, it'll be like one weird guy, maybe another guy, but they'll own, know a couple people who own a pool. So that's my opening argument that uh, pool ownership is going to be like 10x Bitcoin ownership. It's huge. Okay, I'm Dave King. I'm taking the con. First of all, swimming pool ownership is extremely regional and climate dependent. So there's almost zero swimming pools, you know, in the northeast, in the in the north, in the northwest. Yes, people own swimming pools in the Sun Belt and in Texas and in California. But who actually owns the pools? Healy uh, asked us to, you know, picture flying over one of these areas that has some swimming pools. And a lot of these homes are owned by the same people or the same conglomerate. There's only one or two people per household who own each pool. So if there's five people in a house, it's not owned by five people. There's only one or two people who own that house. Hotel pools, even more extreme case of something where it's like, okay, there might be 3,000 Hilton pools in the country, but they're only owned by like the Hilton family or whatever, whoever owns the Hilton, they're owned by Paris Hilton, I guess. Or did he sell it? Did the Hilton fit? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Look, the other reason that Bitcoin is constantly in the headlines is that a lot of people own cryptocurrency. Every week we see a new study, I don't have them at my fingertips, about the surprising number of or percentage of millennials who and younger who own cryptocurrency as part of their portfolio. Millennials aren't just like a small, young percentage of the population. These are like people who are now up to like 40 years old. So yeah, like your grandma might not know anyone who owns Bitcoin, but like my nephew certainly does. I certainly do. I certainly know more people who own Bitcoin than own swimming pools. And you and I know people who are mostly, who are like in the rare um, like wealth echelon of being able to own a swimming pool. It's is the barrier of entry to owning Bitcoin is so much smaller than it was even two, five, ten years ago. You could go on Coinbase. You could go on all of these, you know, uh, different things that you see advertised for constantly. There have to be millions of people who have accounts who own Bitcoin. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth like ad- buying the rights to the Staples Center to advertise a website where you can own Bitcoin. You You don't see like swimmingpools.com owning the rights to the Dallas Mavericks arena. And the reason for that is that there isn't a big enough market share for them to make it worth their time to advertise. Way more people own Bitcoin than swimming pools. I'm certain of it. I think the crypto arena, that kind of thing was based on a trend line that going up that just didn't go up and isn't going to go up. There's been a disaster. You're confusing the trend line of value with the, with the trend line of what, percent of americans own strong Bitcoin. overlap strong and, overlap dave these and places these places no, not these, at all healy why that trend places, line has why did they gone up why did they up. get They're matt damon few- on tv why did they have crypto arena because they're like okay Bitcoin has finally proven itself. We're about to hit the mass market. We got to be the company that has it we're ready to go we're willing to spend anything to do that and they tried and it didn't work. No, no that 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 the the decline of Bitcoin's price is exactly correlated to people bailing on Bitcoin oh, and fewer and fewer no, people okay, that's trying not, to again, buy it. Is, meanwhile, meanwhile, Dave, this is only anecdotal, Dave, Healy. But how many, you know okay, a lot of people well, who own cryptocurrency. How many people do you know who have cashed out every single dollar of their Bitcoin to zero? I know none, and in fact, I do know one family growing up who owned a swimming pool and thought it was too much of a nuisance and had it filled in. I don't know anyone 
anyone who's done the same with Bitcoin. I don't know anyone who's owned Bitcoin and now owns zero Bitcoin. And even if people have bought only like $10 as a, like $10 in Bitcoin to whatever, a, a funny gift for someone's birthday, like P, the numbers have still gone up and up. We're not talking about how much Bitcoin is worth. We're not talking about like what percent of your portfolio are people holding in Bitcoin. We're talking about how many people own some Bitcoin. I think that there, there there's, yes, uh, among millennials and whatever, there has been an interest in this stuff. Some people have dabbled, but think about driving around. You're going to see a truck full of pool supplies going to take care of somebody's pool. You're going to see a pool supply store. They're everywhere. Every town has min- multiple, and even Dave, you brought up Massachusetts or whatever, but the, there were many, many pools, even in the remote areas of or the cold areas of New England where we were growing up. It's not just a... a, a phenomenon for California and Florida and Texas. But guess what? Those are the three biggest states and tons and tons of people have pools. Like all tons of homeowners have pools in all those states. Tons of homeowners in cold places have states and their uh, vacation homes. They have pools. Pools are very, very common. We are doing a classic mistake of focusing on the trendy thing, the thing that's latest, the thing that's newest, the thing that's in the news all the time. And that's Bitcoin. But we're forgetting about the huge silent majority of pool owners all across the country. They're just enormous. There's The numbers are just, you couldn't even handle how many people own pools out there. It's huge I think I compared to Bitcoin. It. Um, you mentioned vacation homes. Again, you're making the yeah. same mistake of thinking that that's an additive quantity of people who own pools. Most people who own a vacation home with a pool own a primary home with the pool. They're already counted as pool home as pool owners. I think that's a great sub debate. And I think sometimes that's oh, going to overlap, part- but not always. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's course, just not always. Of the course, case. not always. I think but I would say most the of the time, home if you market own just a home in a lot of Phoenix and you have a vacation pool. home in Flagstaff, they're both going to have pools in it. You know, like of course. Yeah, maybe. Or you own a vacation home in Flagstaff with a pool, and you live in an apartment in Phoenix. Also, and- by the way, this idea that like we grew up in a place where a lot of people had pools. I knew one kid who had a pool in his house, Ted Tracy. So of all the people, and I barely knew his parents or his i mean i knew his mom i barely knew his dad his parents were the only pool owners who i knew if i went back to if you and i went back to needham massachusetts right now and collected the population of kids in high school and their parents and brothers and sisters do you really think there would be like fewer people who own bitcoin in some way think about how easy it is for kids for young for children in their in their teens and their 20s to go online to go on Robinhood, which I believe offers Bitcoin now, to go on Coinbase. Look, I'm not an expert in this at all, but I was able to go on Coinbase years ago and buy some Bitcoin. It's like the easiest thing to do. Way easier, mind you, than like purchasing a home that had a pool in it or building a pool in a pre-existing home. Like there are only so many homes in America. There's fewer homes than there are people. That's something that I really think is working against you that you don't realize. It's like pe- multiple people live in each home, whereas you could have a household with four people who own crypto, but only one of them owns a swimming pool. How are you going to how are you going to work against those odds over the population of the whole country? I just don't see it. There have been there have been probably a hundred solid years of pool construction in the United States. Bitcoin is a fad that's been easily available for about the last two or three years. Did a lot of people jump Not on it? So. Yeah, I think so. And given enough time, Bitcoin might overtake swimming pools. 
but it's just not happened yet. We're a long, long way from that. And the most likely thing is that people are going to bail on their Bitcoin. There's going to be a reduced number of buyers. Pools will endure. Getting rid of your pool never happens. Everybody keeps their pool. You know pool. what's so funny is pools that people, you, is it, is it, it, like when people, buy, when people bail on their Bitcoins, they have to sell it to someone. And some of those people are going to be new Bitcoin No, no, no. Owners. They're going to be that's the end of, That's the end of my, close, that's my closing statement. Medines. Dave wins. Yes. Look at Healy. He can't take it. Man. No, I'll take I that. I was getting smoked. I didn't have anything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good, clean win for Dave. <clears throat> Thank you. Do we have Medina? Did I leave any good arguments out there? I, I didn't even know what I was supposed to uh, go with. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. It was a hard one. It was not apparent <clears throat> until we began. For me, anyways. Then. Mm. Well, then it's a profitable debate for the listener and for all of us. Mm. Well, that, that's not that's not necessarily <laughs> true. Um, did you find? Do you have any numbers, Medina, or did you do any research? No, because I like to wait until I've heard the debate before. Of course, I, um, you know, get into that's it. It's, fair it's tough to like. I bet there's no count of like. I'm sure there's no way to know how many people own Bitcoin. I get 10.4 million residential homes or residential pools and Bitcoin owners. I don't know how you'd calculate that, but it's I would it wouldn't shock me if it were 20 million. So about 46 million Americans own a own some Bitcoin. Oh, OK. So it's four according, to one. They're close. Yeah, it says this is from exploding top, always reliable exploding topics dot com. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. that's exploding a good topics. site. We should use exploding topics for the great debate. They should sponsor us. <laughs> In 2021, estimates show there are 106 million people who own Bitcoin. Now, that's got to be worldwide. That's yeah, huge. It is worldwide. That's crazy. Uh, Americans that own Bitcoin, 22% of Americans own Bitcoin. Has anyone, That's do you think crazy. anyone has sold their pool or downsized from a pool sized <laughs> home in order to buy Bitcoin? Um, <laughs> I'm sure, I think the opposite is true. People have certainly sold their Bitcoin and bought pools with bought it. pools. Arguably, yeah. but you um, only sell part of your Bitcoin to do that. Not even arguably. Bitcoin is right. far more liquid in financial terms than a pool. Kind of, is that interesting? That is. Just barely interesting. I was going to say just barely not interesting, but yeah, (laughs) I could go either way. You're saying the case for it being interesting is that there's like a little wordplay involved. Yeah. Well, if you're explaining to a kid what a liquid asset is, you'd have to be like a pool is not, but Bitcoin kind of is. I think that's a great example to use when explaining to a kid. Yeah. It's very liquid. It's more than kind of, isn't it? We're trying to reach for the concept of liquidity here, and it's something different from what we normally think of as a liquid. Yeah, so right. this is a way to challenge the mind to go there. Oh, see, I mean, in, what you just did would have been very fun for like a high school economics teacher or something. Oh, my God. Medina, I wish to the Lord above that you had been my high school economics teacher. That would <laughs> Any teacher, but God, that would have been great. <laughs> then there would have been no question in our debate last week about we pretty much understand economics. We would have been like, yeah, mm-hmm. my teacher oh, was yeah. Mr. Medina. Man, I can't believe you remember the debates. I have no, once it's over, I'm, when I, I can't mean, remember I, a single debate topic that we've done before. <laughs> I lie in bed thinking about them. Um, do you guys want to do one to... more? I'd love to. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, all right. Dave, do you want to do say, one more? Yeah, let's do a quick one. Sure. But before we do, should we do, oh, should we do a little housekeeping or should we do that at the end? Yeah. What do you got in mind? 
Well, I just wanted the listeners to know that this is uh, we're this is going to be the last episode of this season of the Great Debates. We're going to take a summer break, right? Is that yeah. the plan? Yeah, but yeah we, that's we, it. It's not like we're retiring or anything. We'll be back. We're, in wait, the we're not. What's the season of the Great Debates, yeah. Dave? The season. What do you is mean by like, that? We're. I don't know exactly. We don't really know. But the basic idea is we're going to approach it more kind of like, you know, a TV show season oh. where there's new episodes or what used to be a TV season you, that air for like a bunch of weeks. And then we'll take a break and then we'll come back and do another season. Not like one season a year. We'll do more than that. But we need a little breaky break for the summer right. to do our summer travelings yeah. and we our summer our rest ups. And our resting. And we got to swim in the pools. And go in the pools. And then we'll come back, I don't know, in the fall or something with new episodes. Something. And then they will be on, yeah, maybe the winter, maybe <laughs> oh, whatever. God. Don't scare people. We'll no, be no, no, back. Fall, late fall. <clears throat> late fall. I think <clears throat> Halloween's a traditional time where there's some good, great debates happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. then we'll need some warm up time. Spooktacular and all that. And back to I school mean, is good. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. don't want to. Leave people hanging. Don't worry. There's going to be debates. You'll just—it's just a little break. That's all the people yeah. need to know. And will we be okay. putting up classic apps, Dave? Or I don't know. What do you think? Should we? Let's decide right now. Yeah, probably yeah. from time to time. I think yeah. Let's put yeah. some classics yeah. all summer long. It's fun to revisit those classics. I mean, sure. If you subscribe to our podcast, you can go all the way back, I think, and find them. But who wants to do all that work when it can just be like served up in sort of a curated way, right? Hmm. That's yes. great. GD sure Classics. We got yeah. the guy, uh, the same guy who decides the Criterion Collection movies is go- is combing through, we're paying him an inordinate amount of money to go through the great debates and choose which ones are GD Classics. And do you think that's one guy? That would be amazing. It's uh, <laughs> Johnny <laughs> Criterion. It's a, a lot of watching to do. Maybe it is. I don't know. I'd love to be in that room. I'd love to be in that room and they make those decisions. We should get on the Criterion board. And you know what I would do? Make some cuts, honestly. Some of those movies are Ooh, snooze. I like that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. First order of business. <laughs> Kicking this. You got to cut ten percent every time you add ten percent, right? Oh, love that. Mm-hmm. Add one, cut one. That, yeah. And I would do. I would like make headlines by cutting. Like you know what? Tarkovsky's stalkers out of there. It's cut. <laughs> see what? See that? Watch the film bros go nuts. <laughs> 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 oh. okay, <New> CEO <laughs> Tarkovsky out <laughs> at Criterion. Healy Criterion in. chief chooser. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last top. Yeah, I got a top. Okay, uh, heels taking the pro because that's what we do around here. Bagel. Flavors. Topic is bagel flavors colon the field versus onion and everything. I think what this means, Healy, is that there's all bagels on one side. On the other side, there are two bagels. It's onion and everything. Everything. Okay, and I'm Steve Healy, and I'm taking the pro, meaning all other bagels. So I get plain, the most popular bagel flavor in the world, probably 40% <laughs> of bagel orders. I get what? poppy seed, uh, might be number two. We don't even know. Everything is great. Everything is cool, but that's kind of a fringe niche bagel, as is onion. I'm sorry. 
And then there's your weirdos. They exist. They are humans too that are getting the blueberry and the cinnamon and the rye and the whole wheat and the gluten-free. That's a lot of people. That's probably 20%. You may not like them, but they're there and they deserve the right to get the bagel of their choice. And between us, we have a very strong majority and a very strong side of bagelry. You wouldn't be mad if all the bagels left in the world were plain or uh, plain plus poppy seed, plain plus poppy seed plus everything else. You'd be a little bagels would become just a niche fringe product if all you had was onion and everything, which I I've always kind of been bothered by the everything bagel. It's not everything for one thing. It's just a bunch of different stuff. It's not really clear what it is. Uh, you have to be pretty knowledgeable about bagel culture to get into the everything. Take them. You could I, say I could, Jewish. I could cut them. You could just say Jewish. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's it, it overlaps for sure. Uh, and those flavors to me are just taking away from the cream cheese and the, the, the excellence of the dough. They don't do anything for me. And I think I speak for most bagel enjoyers. And so I asked Dave to try and convince me otherwise. <clears throat> okay. So on, I have onion in everything. Um, I believe that everything is probably the most popular, uh, bagel flavor. I mean, I'm shocked to hear you say that plain is the most popular. That is like, for babies, I don't know anyone who orders a plain bagel when they get a bagel. It's like truly something is either wrong with you or you've never had a bagel before. And you're like, uh, I guess I'll start with plain. Uh, I don't know what this is going to taste like. Also, just to just to do some like sort of, you know, some clarification here. Gluten free. You can still have a gluten free or or any sort of dietary restricted uh, onion or everything bagel. So you still have a gluten-free everything bagel. That's not a type of bagel. That's a type, that's a type of way that it's prepared. It's not a flavor is what I should say. A blueberry bagel simply is not a bagel, nor is a cinnamon bagel. Those are fake ba bagel flavors. Those are also for children or for dessert. And that's not, that should not be part of a valid bagel conversation. Oddly enough, you're leaving out one of the premier bagel flavors, which is a sesame bagel. That's the one I'd miss, but oh, it's I, inferior I to onion because- <laughs> Okay, maybe you oh. did. But onion gives you a little bit of that, like, if you like a garlic bagel, which I'm giving you in the field, you can have an onion bagel and basically get that same taste. Plus, you get a little bit of that crisp if the onion is nice and little actual onion flecks that are a little burnt on the side of the bagel. But the everything is like... Who doesn't like an everything bagel? If you're, if for the rest of your life, all you, the only bagels you could eat were onion and everything, you'd be perfect. In fact, I know now, like if I'm, if you go shopping and look at the prepackaged bagels, which are obviously inferior bagels and not the bagels you want, they only come in so many flavors. And two of them are onion and everything. There's plain, which is for, for Healy and babies. There's everything, there's onion. And then occasionally there's like, there's those before you get to sesame or garlic or whatever, like salt. I don't know a lot of people who like a salt bagel. That seems like you could just get a salty topping on your bagel if you are craving salt that much. I'm glad. So you I would salt happily I like take. Salt. Yeah, I mean, I like salt, too, but I don't like it nearly as much as onion and everything. I'd happily take those two over the field. Okay, well, I mean, basically, you've just you've sort of established your taste, but I think that part of this debate is going to come down to what most people like. And Dave, yeah, it's not just my taste. Sorry Again, to tell like you, I'm sorry to tell you, Dave, but the bagel has gone mainstream. It sounds to me like you're a serious bagel guy and a knowledgeable bagel guy, and kudos to you for that. But 
something happened there in the 90s. The bagel exploded. The bagel sandwich took off and the bagel extended itself out of the urban, yes, Jewish community. And it went to the all of America. And those people, they like a plain bagel. They're fine with that. They put the bacon scallion cream cheese on it and that's all they need. They're happy. And you can say that that's not correct or something or that they're, they're you know, that's less than and try and convince them. But it's just a resounding the world of plain bagel is so much stronger than the world of everything bagel and the world of onion bagel. Those are fringe bagels. They're fringe. Look, ask at the bagel shop. See what see what I they mean, tell you. I will admit that you are making me sweat a little bit just by mentioning the idea of like bacon scallion cream cheese on a bagel. It's like the most unbagel. Like to put bacon on a bagel is almost like I don't know. It's, I, I it's insulting to my people. Um, but um, again, well, it's I, similar, if I go to very similar, Dave, yeah. to like how P.F. Chang's is probably the most popular Chinese food in America right now. Has it founded by some guys no, from no, Tennessee? No. I understand. It, you've no, no, lost I, I, I control. Get it. I know. Of the, and, but again, I've I've addressed this issue of like the popular bagels. Like, obviously, I'm not an idiot. I don't think that most people are getting their bagels from Courage Bagels in L.A. or like, you know, or Zabar's or wherever you get bagels in New York. Like, I understand that most people are going to the supermarket and buying bagels. And I'm telling you that the most popular flavors are everything in onion of lenders, of Sara Lee, of the companies that that uh, Sara make- Lee. How did Sara Lee get her hands on the exactly you know, it's so Jewish funny Healy, it's so interesting <laughs> that you would laugh at that because if you truly understood the bagel market in the way that you were just talking about you'd understand that people have co- like co-opted bagels to the extent that they actually have i'm the yeah. one who's done the research <laughs> i've walked the aisles you're here trying to tell me actually non-jewish people eat bagels though they're actually really popular and i'm the one who's dropping <laughs> the brand names and the flavors and which ones are actually popular and you're the one who thinks you're t- teaching me a lesson well I mean, frankly i'll have none of it. Okay, I'd like to note the <laughs> impression of the other guy that occurred there. Dave, you lose Fair it. Enough. No. <laughs> but I think that the Jewish people have given so much, and the bagel well, is something that you. they gave, and they thank don't you. always so get acknowledged and rewarded for it. But unfortunately, sometimes you lose you lose your ownership of it, and that's what happened with the bagel and the plain, the salt, putting peanut butter on there, putting making a turkey sandwich out of the bagel. That's, that's what sure. the bagel is now, and the but, plain is best for that, and the plain is king of the bagels. I'm sorry, maybe that's sad, and, and there is something lost there, probably. But you taste flavor. Yes. I mean, this debate isn't just about like which are the most popular. The debate is like, do you want to take the field or do you want to take onion and everything? Yeah. I'm making the case for onion and everything. And I would actually say that making the case that my taste plain is just the correct one, not the correct one, but the pop, the the sweeping, the popular one. That's right. And what I would say to that, Healy, is that if people were restricted to onion and everything bagels and had to actually eat them, I, with their I'm turkey seeing this world. I'm seeing it in gray. It's so sad. Restricted totalitarian world of limited bagels. Let a million bagels bloom. You know, it's great uh, that there's uh, a lot Healy, of bagels. Uh, the idea that the my side is more restrictive than yours shows you just how close-minded you are to which bagels are actually popular. I would be the one who would have to live in a world where I can't get an onion bagel or an everything bagel. That, to me, is restrictive. That, to me, is more infringing on my bagel rights than a world where I can get every 
every other flavor of bagel. And that's the end you of know what my closing happen? argument. You would, you would return to what was originally great and what has been lost in some of the popularization of the bagel, which is really appreciating the sort of bagel-y nature itself. That The bagel is the best flavor of bagel. That is, <laughs> Everything and onion just takes away from that hurts your appreciation of that. Let's go back to it almost uh, uh, a sort of minimalist Japanese way of appreciating the bagel in the form of its true bagelness without distracting and uh, putting a lot of garnish on there. Although that exists in my system too. There'd be tons of uh, other options. That's why I say I take the field. Okay. Mm. Cool. I've already concluded my closing argument, but I will just say, if I can, just very briefly, and this this doesn't have to be counted as part of the debate, but on my first research here, according to Grubhub's 2019 order data, the nation's favorite bagel flavor is everything, followed by sesame and cinnamon raisin, believe it or not. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Grubhub is going to skew urban, honestly... It's going to skew a little bit to like the urban dweller who's more likely to be Jewish, I think. Okay, and, well, they've, it's interesting you say that. They've broken it down by region. Uh, okay. And even in the South, where you would find, I would imagine, the fewest amount of, as you like to call them, urban people, <laughs> the, the plain bagel doesn't crack the top five. If anything, you've just illustrated that your like taste is way outside of the mainstream. I mean, that's the problem. I don't plain, think that's proven. Okay. But Dean's uh, talk to us. How, <clears throat> what do you, how much do you want to know on this one? <laughs> All of it. D- <laughs> info dump. <laughs> so I, f- here's the thing. I, there's a, I don't think this was the greatest debate we've ever had. And no, here's no. why. <laughs> we got stuck in this notion of wi- the popularity and like the statistics, which is just right, a yeah. dead end. Because yeah. it's conjecture until we go to yeah. the Grubhub thing, and then it's not that interesting. So I'm a little yeah, no, bummed about that. But within that <laughs> that um, limited field of play, <laughs> a, a thing that Healy kept saying stuck with me, which was like the bagel, the plain bagel sandwiches. And I'm thinking about the millions of like Dunkin' Donuts, airport, whatever, plain sandwiches and i'm thinking they're fucking shooting those things out the lot like a lot of those are served every day and it it probably ends up being a pretty significant number of bagels and if you if like dunkin donuts has to do everything or onion only at the airport for breakfast (laughs) like no one's getting that shit so i kind of let my mind run away with that and and was was re- kind of wanting to side with Healy on it, but yeah, noting my disappointment that we didn't get into a more substantive, <laughs> qualitative debate about maybe the flavor profiles and yes, like that's how a that fair all criticism for sure. I'll take go. Yeah. So no, I guess you're right. I guess when I talked about how like you get the actual like texture of the burnt onion, that didn't count. That was when nice. I said that we're talking too much about the popularity and not the actual like which is better. That didn't. It's fine. It's that fine. That made me <laughs> repulsed a bit about the idea of the onion bagel. 
Um, really? But, listener, you can see now why we need a summer break. I mean, this does, <laughs> <laughs> it does wear on us. Me. At the end of the season, you know, there's injuries uh, and sloppy play. Yes. So. Yeah. We need to go home and debate with our families and which they all enjoy <laughs> and really like hone our craft. I tell you what, Dave, I'm going to get an everything bagel. Which Have I don't, you ever had one? I don't think I've ever ordered bagel one. guy. That Are you can't serious right now? What are you I talking don't think about? I've ever ordered an everything bagel. I like a plain bagel. You know, bagel. at Trader Joe's, they sell a jar of the everything. They call it everything but the bagel. And yeah, everything the, but the bagel. It's the everything that stuff's stuff. great. Something happened, and I don't like Trader Joe's. I just I used to yeah. go there all the time, and then what happened? Was it me? Can I tell, did I change? stop going? Have I told this story about about how my parents toured a bagel factory once? This is about everything but the bagel. There no. was like a temple thing they did where they went to like to see how like bagels were made. Okay, and this uh-huh. guy had um, the, the it was like you know they were taking the tour, and this guy had basically like at the bottom of the giant whatever toasters or whatever they are he had the equivalent of that everything but the bagel all of the toppings that had fallen off mm. right and he was like and he my mom was like "Ooh, that's the best stuff you know the stuff that falls off and he was like i know i, I so much of this falls off i wish i could sell this somehow and my mom was like they do they do sell that it's they at trader joe's they sell everything but the bagel you should put this in jars and sell it and the guy was like yeah right she was she was like no what are you talking like (laughs) yes sell it but for some reason he just didn't he was like i'm not doing oh that's crazy i find (laughs) i've uh, often long ever since i heard about the everything bagel i've been bothered by the arrogance because like this is America. If something's called the everything bagel, it should have chocolate chips and okay. cheese. It should just be All like right. insane. And instead, it's just like a bunch of different spices, right? It's nothing. A few. It's, it's not that exciting. <laughs> Isn't I mean, it just everything every, that they have on the other bagels? Yeah, it's bagel? all the fl- yes, Healy. Everyone understands <laughs> what that means. I get it, but it's like it's, er, the everything bagel should be so intense and powerful that you can't handle. You can barely handle. This it. is also, by the way, there's like a Dimitri Martin joke, which is like I think everything bagel is an overstatement. It's not a unique observation you're making that like it, calling it an everything bagel is like well, it should be everything. It's only actually. I'm a few sorry, things. I made a non-unique observation. Apology accepted. To be honest, I hadn't. I don't believe I've seen Dimitri Martin's jokes. I've been keeping up with his comedy lately. Um, but if well, it, this is from like this is from literally like twenty years. Yeah, I didn't keep up with it then either. Uh, <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> oh I think, man, I think we got there. I think we, <laughs> yeah, we got the, somewhere. We've reached the end of the season. It's time for a rest. Mm. I had chocolate a good. Chips. I thought this was one of our chocolate chips on a bagel. Get one of our better seasons. You know, oh, we oh yeah, it's been great. Yeah. I think there was yeah. some good, I, oh. like, back, there was that season where we had like James Cameron and whatever James Cameron is doing versus the space program. Like that was a good season. We were in mm-hmm. Dave's apartment. It was like twenty thirteen or oh, something man. like that. Mm-hmm. God, how long have we been doing this? A long Too time. Long. Over a long time. We're coming on 10 <laughs> years. I think we got to at least get to 10 Bush years. administration? That can't be right. No. No. Had to be the bomber. No, but we know. we may... We started somewhere on the juncture between first and second term. I will say that. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, wow. That's wild. Those are the days, huh? Hey. So... <sighs> anyway, 
Good season. I love you guys. It's been great. Really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and love to the listeners. listeners for, um, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Bothering Dave on his phone and, uh, I don't know, keeping us going, I guess. Mm. Um, Heartfelt. Okay, well, I'm going to take us out of here and we will see you next season on The Great Debates. The Great Debates is produced by Mark Caracello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King. And the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina. Yeah.